0: Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together.
1: Good morning, North family. Good to see you this morning. How are you? It's good to see you. Good to see you. Hey, um, just a quick little note. Today marks the three, you can't really say anniversary, but the three-month anniversary of our first official Sunday here and uh, when we moved, and so I just want to say thank you, thank you for a great first three months on behalf of me and my family. Um, it's been fun getting to know so many of you and getting a sense for what God has done is doing and will continue to do here at North Bible Church. Uh, in a minute hey, thanks, sir. In a minute, uh, we're going to dismiss our kids and our students to uh, their teaching time. But uh, let's go ahead and have you as a student just go ahead and stand if you're a student in the room We want to pray for you and bless you before you head on out So all the kids stand uh, the tradition here at North Bible Church is just to kind of lay, You know put our hands out there and say we, we, we want to pray for you and bless you as you go to your time To learn and grow. So let's as a as a family pray for our students father. Thank you for these students They are not just the church of tomorrow. They are the church of today And they are the next generation of spiritual leaders and God, this time that they're about to go to is the time to grow, to learn, to develop, to connect. Holy Spirit, would you move in their hearts? Would you inspire them, speak to them for what you have to do in their lives, not just in the future, but today and tomorrow, and then all the days, weeks, months, and years to come. So, Father, we send them off with a blessing in Jesus' name. We all said together, amen. amen. All right, students, great to have you. Goodbyes farewells, last words, uh, whether you are leaving a job, leaving a school, uh, moving, or whether it's the inevitable and unwelcomed looming shadow of death, there are going to be many times in our lives when we find ourselves saying goodbye, or maybe see you later, or farewell, a transition from one stage to another. If you were given one last opportunity to share your heart and share your thoughts with the people you loved most and cared about most, what would you say in that moment? Some of you have had those moments where you've been on the receiving end of someone who's gone before you, or maybe you've transitioned out and you've said some words to some people that you may see again, maybe you won't. But if you're given a chance to say farewell, what would you say in that moment? Today, we're concluding our summer series through the book of Joshua. And for the last nine weeks, we've looked at how God has demonstrated his faithfulness to his people through the season, right? He he led, like that song we just sang a little bit ago, he, he led Israel, his people, Israel, out of Egypt, out of slavery, through a wilderness, and into a land of promise that he had promised years before. And over and over and over again, he was demonstrating his faithfulness to his people, and now we've come to the last two chapters of Joshua. Uh, we estimate that Joshua was about 70 to 80 years old when he entered the promised land. He's now about 110 years old. And what we're about to see in these last two chapters of Joshua is he's about to say his goodbye. He's about to say his farewell. These people that, that, that he's led, that he's ate with, he's drank with, he's, he's fought alongside, all these people, He's now about to say goodbye to them. What is on his mind? What does he want to share most? That's what we're going to look at today together. And my encouragement to you today, and our focus for today is this thought. In light of God's faithfulness, we will choose and we will keep choosing to serve the Lord. That's why I'm challenging us with this morning so with that let's pray one more time father as we unfold the pages of your word god would you speak to us may the words here from joshua even though they were you know years before christ was born father they're still captured for us today to interact with our lives even in this very moment and so father may uh, we have ears to hear hearts to receive eyes to see what you have for us today We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Open up your Bibles to Joshua chapter 23. We're going to be looking at selected verses through Joshua chapter 23 and Joshua chapter 24. I hope for those of you who've read the book of Joshua or especially the last week where you looked at the 13 or so chapters leading up to this moment where you kind of looked at the division of the land and the last, you know, all the details of the military conquest. I hope you continue to see how God was faithful to do what he said he was going to do. And as we open up our Bibles today, and by the way, if you don't have a Bible, uh, man, we'd love to help you out. Uh, On your way out, stop by the Information Center. We've got free Bibles there. It's yours as a gift in case you don't have a Bible. Um, But make sure you have a Bible or open up your Bible apps. Uh, We're going to find ourselves in Joshua 23, Joshua 23. This is our big concept today. In light of God's faithfulness, we're going to choose and keep on choosing to serve the Lord. Let's start off by reading the first 11 verses of Joshua 23. It says this, it says, A long time afterward, when the Lord had given rest to Israel from all the surrounding enemies, and Joshua was old and well advanced in years, Joshua summoned all Israel, its elders, its heads, its judges, its officers, and said to them, I am now old and well advanced in years. And you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. For it is the Lord your God who has fought for you. Behold, I have allotted to you as an inheritance for your tribes, those nations that remain, along with all the nations that I have already cut off, from the Jordan to the great sea in the west. The Lord your God will push them back before you and drive them out of your sight. And you shall possess their land, just as the Lord your God promised you. Therefore, be very strong to keep all to do that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it, neither to the right nor to the left, that you may not mix with these nations remaining among you, or make mention of the names of their gods, or swear by them, or serve them, or bow down to them. But you shall cling to the Lord your God, just as you have done to this day for The Lord has driven out before you great and strong nations, and as for you, no man has been able to stand before you to this day. One man of you puts to flight a thousand, since it is the Lord your God who fights for you, just as he promised you. Be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. Just some key observations as we look at these last two chapters. First, this Israel is now at rest meaning that all the battles have been fought. All the wars are done. Now, there are still seven nations residing in the promised land territory. And Israel is still responsible to drive them out and conquer those lands. God has them available to them. We talked about that when we kicked off this series, that when you look at the contrast of of the border of what God promised and the actual land claimed, there's a lot of land that was left unclaimed because Israel didn't follow through. But at this point in time, they're at peace. There's no more battles, there's no more wars. All the kings have been conquered. They're now at rest. And we see Joshua's old and close to death. We see him summon the nation's leaders in his old age and the stage of life he's in. And his goal is to keep pointing people to the Lord. That's his goal. Keep pointing people to the Lord. In fact, 13 times in chapter 23, seven times in just these first 11 verses, you will find the phrase, the Lord your God. The Lord your God. The Lord your God. The Lord your God. Joshua, was on Joshua's heart in his farewell, his, his goodbye, what he wants to unpack to these people that he cares so deeply about is pay attention to the Lord your God. He's keeping Christ and the Lord at the focus. Joshua is pointing the people to the Lord and helping these leaders recall God's faithfulness. Look what God did. Look what God said he followed through. And if you keep trusting him, if you keep obeying him, all that he's promised you will come to fulfillment. That's what's, what's on Joshua's heart and mind. Now, the conquest of Canaan right here is such a great historical evidence for the power of work, the, the power of God at work in Israel. There is no way Right? No way that a formerly enslaved people, nomadic in nature, with no military training, no fortresses that they've built or fortified to do what they did to conquer all this land, to conquer all the other outpost type cities and fortresses. It's God's fingerprint on his people, and Joshua is reminding them of God's faithfulness. There is so much value in remembering and reminding yourself of what God has done for you. It's a tremendous exercise to go, I want to remember God's faithfulness. I want to remember what God has done. Now, what we're going to do is going to be something that is a little different. It really shouldn't be that different. But we're just going to take a moment as a community, just a couple minutes here. I've got Wes and I've got Aaron. Uh, They have a couple microphones. They're going to stand. And what I want to do is I just want to open it up for just a couple minutes here. And I want us just to brag on God as a community. This is not about us. This is not about other people. This is saying, this is what God has done. I'm going to invite some of you that feel the courage and just the, the impulse to say, I want to brag on God for about five to 10 seconds. This is what the Lord has done, all right? So I'm looking for five to 10 second testimonies of this is what God has done. So if you have one, just stand up where you're at and we're going to get to you, all right? So who is first? We're just going to brag on God for a second here as a community, who's first? Thank you. thank you god is faithful amen now say it like you mean it god is faithful amen? amen amen god is so good it's so important to remind ourselves of how god has shown up so valuable to remember god's faithfulness as we tried to walk with him day after day and that's what josh is trying to do he keeps pointing the people to the lord remember what he's done Remember what he said. Remember how he's shown up. Remember remember Jericho. Remember I. Remember all those kingdoms that were defeated. Remember you know, all the provisions of God. He keeps pointing the people to the Lord. He also is calling them out and challenging them. He, he's touching on their compromises in particular. He's like, look, uh, there are still people in this land that God said don't need to be here, and their influence and their presence is going to have an effect on you. And of course, if you study the history of Israel, it does. It has long-lasting impact on the people. But he's saying, don't compromise. Don't compromise with the beliefs and the the culture around you. You know, not much has changed. We still let worldly and culturally um, natured influences and compromises into our life. And what it does is it robs us of all that God has for us. God wants us to walk in victory. He wants us to walk in power. Life is full of hardship, it's full of trials, and God has given us the ability to get through it, as we just heard some of the testimonies. But when we let those compromises in, it'll rob us of what God has. Also, we tend to drift back to this thinking that we have to fight all of our battles on our own. All the anxiety, all the depression, all the discouragement, all the grief. Every every curveball that life throws our way, sometimes we go back to like, I have to fight this on my own. But for those of you who are in Christ, we have to keep coming back to know God fights for you. And that's what Joshua was saying. Remember that God fights for you. You can trust him. He is faithful. And so that's what we see. So we go back. You know, We walk this life going back to some of the words that God gave Joshua in chapter 1, verse 9 that we saw nine weeks ago. He says, have I not commanded you Be strong, be courageous, do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. If you are a follower of Christ today, I want you to know that the Lord is with you. Even if you don't see him in the moment, even if you don't feel him in the moment, he's there, he's with you, you're not fighting by yourself. And if you are not a follower of Christ yet, there is an invitation here. That God says, I love you, and I want this relationship with you. And all the battles that you're fighting, you don't have to fight them on your own. Come into a relationship with me and see what I can do. Like, you've tried doing this on your own. Now see what I can do in your life and through your life. This is an invitation, too, for those who don't have a relationship with Christ. So we're reminded that God fights for his people. And then Joshua charges the people to cling to the Lord to cling to his word. This also rings true for us. We too are uh, called to keep what is written in God's word. And we're not called to follow our impulses. We're not called to follow our emotions and our feelings. They're part of our life, but they don't lead our life. Have you recognized that whenever you let your emotions lead your life, it usually leads you to a bad spot, right? A regrettable decision, a regrettable uh, phrase out of your mouth, words from your lips... A decision made, we need to call our call back to let God and His Word lead our life, not our pride, not our self-reliance. We too have to be careful to love the Lord your God rather than be drawn away from God and His blessings by the seductive offerings and the empty promises of the world. And so, because we see God being faithful to give victory over sin and doubt. And because we see God giving victory over temptation and a long list of other challenges, we can keep on choosing the Lord because he's faithful. Amen? Amen. All right. Now look at Joshua 23, 14. Joshua says, now I'm about to go the way of the earth. This is his way of saying death comes for us all. It's my turn. And what he's communicating to the nation's leader here is that he's close to death. And then under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of the living God, he says this powerful statement. Look at Joshua 23, 14. And you know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God has promised concerning you. All has come to pass. Not one of them has failed. As he's looking at these leaders in the eyes, he's saying, look, you know very well, down in your gut, like everything inside of you knows, like even in the midst of your discouragement, even in the midst of your question marks, you know deep in your gut that God has kept his promises. Not one word of his promises has failed. This is the key verse to the whole book of Joshua. It's a proclamation of God's faithfulness that God will do what he says he's going to do. God has made so many promises, and when you study his words, you see them, and he will keep them. Some of God's promises have been fulfilled and are being enjoyed now. Some of his promises have not yet been fulfilled, but will be and will be enjoyed in the future. So for example, God said to Abraham that he would have many descendants and be the father of nations. He was. God said he would free the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. He did. God said he would bring the Israelites into the land of Canaan. He did. God said that he would bring a savior through the Hebrew people, through Abraham's seed. He did. God said that he would give forgiveness and eternal life to those who believe and trust in Christ. He does. God says he would give power through the Holy Spirit to those who've trusted in Christ he does that God said he would provide for our needs as we trust him he does the problem is we sometimes get a misunderstanding between needs and wants right God said he gives rest he gives peace joy comfort and strength to those who are in Christ he does that God says he'll give wisdom to anyone who asks him he does God said he'd finish the work that he started in us he will do that Jesus said he's going to return he will The Lord promises his believing children a future eternity, free of pain, of sin, of death forever, to enjoy God and in his presence forever. He's going to fulfill that promise. God keeps his word. And in our guts, we know. We know that God is faithful. We can stand on the words that the Lord gave us in Hebrews 10.23. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope Without wavering, for he who promised is, what's the next word? Faithful. We can stand fast. We can be anchored to the character and to the nature of God because he is faithful. And because of that, we can choose to serve the Lord and keep choosing to serve the Lord with our lives because he is faithful. Now, as we look at the last chapter of Joshua, we go into Joshua 24. What we see next is now Joshua invites even more leaders to basically a field trip, and they go again back to this place called Shechem. Now, we talked about this a few weeks ago. When you go to Shechem today, even, it's this valley in Shechem. It's flanked by two big mountains, Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal. It makes a natural amphitheater. Some of you that were here three weeks ago or so remember this conversation. And now Joshua addresses even more people what does he say well he leads them to a moment of worship and then he gives them more instructions it says that they've presented themselves before the lord and now we see joshua act not only as a leader but as a prophet we don't typically think of joshua this this great leader this military strategist as a prophet of God, one who speaks on behalf of the Lord. But we see that here in Joshua 24. Look at verses 1 through 5 in Joshua 24. It says, Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to the people, and here we go, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. So now he's speaking on behalf of the Father. "'Long ago, your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, "'Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, "'and they served other gods. "'Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river "'and led him through all the land of Canaan "'and made his offspring many. "'I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau, "'and I gave Esau the hill country of Seir to possess, "'but Jacob and his children went down to Egypt.' And I sent Moses and Aaron, and I played Egypt with what I did in the midst of it, and afterwards I brought you out. And then he continues on, and really in this divine history lesson. But Joshua's getting this download from God and speaking with direct authority from the Lord, and the topic is the roots of their people and the power of God's grace. He's basically saying, when your ancestors lived beyond the Euphrates River, far away, Abraham and Terah, they were once worshipers of false pagan gods. They served other gods. But God, in His grace, by His own doing, selected Abraham. We don't believe Abraham was doing anything that caused God to pick him. God just picked him and was selected to be the father of the Hebrew people. What I love about this is Joshua was reminding them of their past, not because they had some big spiritual legacy to live up to, not because they had generations of, of followers of the Lord, that you know, the, the weight of continuing that pressure was on them. It was the opposite. He was saying, look how far you've come. I took your ancestors who were across the Euphrates River. They were serving pagan gods. I plucked a man out. I called to him my own. I made unique promises to him different than any other human in history. I created a nation and a people out of him that would uniquely glorify myself. You're his offspring. You're his ancestors. Look how far I've brought you. And as I read that, I'm gonna tell you what, it personally was encouraging, because I look at my story and I go, I wasn't raised in a home of faith. I didn't, I didn't grow up going to church, reading the Bible and a godly legacy given to me. I was a teenager when I started hearing about God's love. I was a teenager when I started hearing about the, you know, the Bible and grace and, and salvation through Christ, and God bent my heart. I feel like God plucked me out and called me and made me his. And so some of you have been raised in a Christ-centered family. Some of you have mom and dads that love Jesus, and although they're far from perfect— man, they have tried to do their best to to point you to the Lord, just like we see Joshua pointing people to the Lord. You know what, if that's your story, you need to praise God that you were raised in that home. Thank God that you were given moms and dads that although imperfect, they loved Christ and did their best with what they had to try to point you to the Lord. Thank God for that. But some of you who have not been raised in a godly home also be encouraged because just like Abraham and just like so many of us in this room, we were plucked away from a context and made his. And now God is trying to uniquely glorify himself through you in your life, in your family, in your offspring. It is tremendous joy for Rika and I when we look at our three kids going, they have something that we didn't have growing up. They have a mom and dad who pray for them, pray with them, love them, try to point them to Jesus. And we're so grateful for what God has done. And so what Joshua's doing here is saying, there's no, there's no big legacy to carry on. Just look how far I've brought you. And I will keep bringing you as you trust me. That's what's happening here. He keeps pointing the people back to God's faithfulness and his grace and his mercy. All right, if you fast forward now to Joshua 24. Now look at 11 through 13. Joshua's continuing this divine download, continuing his, his divine history lesson. He says this in Joshua 24, 11 through 13. He says, and you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho, and the leaders of Jericho fought against you, and also the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and I gave them into your hand. And I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out before you, the two kings to the Amorites, it was not by your sword or by your bow. I gave them a land. I gave you a land on which you had not labored and cities that you had not built, and you dwell in them. You eat the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. It took seven years to conquer Canaan. Seven years of battles and watching God go before them in a unique way. It took another 13 years to try to settle the land. And so here Joshua is with these people about 20 years after they entered the promised land. And again, he's pointing them to the Lord, highlighting God's faithfulness, highlighting that it was of the Lord for where they are now. And all of a sudden you look and they're they're dwelling in cities they did not build. They're eating of... The, the vineyards and the orchards that they did not plant. They're drinking from cisterns they did not dig. And all of that was because God chose for that to happen. He said, this is the land I promised you generations ago, and now I am removing the wicked cultures out of them, and you are going to eat of this land. You didn't do it. It's all because of me. And when I read that, I struggled because I'm a little bit conflicted. On one hand, I'm like, man, God is so good. He's so faithful to provide that which his children do not deserve. Did the Israelites deserve this? No. God promised, and he delivered, and he gave it. That's grace. It's God's grace. And then part of me is like, but it's not that fair, right? Like, what about all those other people that dug the cisterns, planted the trees, cultivated the soil, like, They're no longer the ones being the recipients of that. Like, is that fair? And as I was studying that, it was almost like the Lord just whispered in my ear the gospel. It's the gospel again, right? There is gonna be a day where we, as followers of Christ, are going to dwell in a city we did not make. We're gonna dwell in homes that we did not build. We're gonna eat food that we did not harvest. It's all going to be a provision of the Lord in the future kingdom. And a lot of our life now, like we just testified a minute ago, we get little glimpses of it now. Like, do you deserve everything you have now? Do you deserve, in our humanity, in our flesh, we go, yes, I made it, I went to school, I built it, I worked hard. Yes, you did, but who gave you the breath you breathe? Who gave you the ability to learn? Who gives you the capacity to think creatively? Who gives you your life, your movement, your being? It all comes from the Lord. There is not one thing in our life that we deserve. It's all grace. It's all God's goodness. It's just a matter of we're going to thank him for it. And we're going to live in that appreciation, working our way toward the perfect heaven and earth. We're going to live surrounded by everything that God built supernaturally for us. It's all all the Lord. This is the gospel. It's grace. And for any of you that don't understand that, the the, the basic summary is it's like we're rebels against God. We have a sin nature. We don't want God to rule over us. We want to rule our own lives. And that sin keeps us separated from God. And then at some point in time, we might become very conscious that there's a holy God that we're accountable to. And so what we do is we make the common mistake of trying to work our way toward his forgiveness. If I try to be a good person, if I do enough good works, if I do specific spiritual rituals, then maybe he'll love me. Maybe he'll forgive me. But that's not the way God fixed the problem. The problem was fixed by himself because we didn't have the ability to fix it, to solve our own sin problem. And so he came in the flesh. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, came, lived that perfect life, lived a life we could never live, perfection. And then allowed himself to die on our behalf. He died the death we should have died. He allowed his creation to nail him to a cross, and upon that cross, he took all of our sins upon himself. He became our substitute, our sin bearer. And so all of our sins were put on him. And then they killed him and put him in a tomb in which the joke was on them because on the third day he rose from the grave. He's like, you can't defeat me. And he conquered sin. He conquered death. And in his resurrection, he demonstrates freedom over the biggest bullies of mankind, sin, and death, and then he just gives everybody a big invitation. Come. Come to me. What do, we, what do we do to deserve that? Nothing. It's all the Lord. We just have to respond. And so as you read through Joshua, as you read through the scriptures, over and over and over again, you'll see these glimpses of God's grace, his mercy, his invitation. If you've never come to Christ, you've got a choice to make today. You can reject and refuse. You can take a step toward this good news and learn more, or maybe at that point where you can put your faith in Christ. And our role, our job here as a community is to help you take that step. You don't have to leave here today with any questions related to those topics. We'd love to help you. I'll give you some steps afterwards. And so because of all of this, because of all that we're learning about God's faithfulness, we can continue to serve the Lord because he is faithful. You know, I I recommended a book uh, when we started this series. It's by a man named Alan Redpath, a theologian, author, pastor. And it's called Victorious Christian Living. And in that book, he says this, We may have life, but we may know nothing about the abundant life. We may have pardon, but we may be absolutely powerless over sin. We may be justified, but we may not be sanctified. The urgent need in the Church of Jesus Christ today is to learn how to deal with the tragic discrepancy between our profession and our experience because just as Joshua was reminding people of God's faithfulness and this land of freedom that they now had in the same way for us today our inheritance is not a land it's a way of life it's a victorious life in Christ but so many of us are not grabbing a hold of that because we've compromised we're still disobedient we still don't live in gratitude and faithfulness, and we still don't serve the Lord fully. And so Joshua's plea to his people look, don't forget God's faithfulness, continue to trust him, experience all that he has given you. It's the same plea that we make today when we open this passage. God is faithful. Look at all he's given you. Don't let compromise, don't let disbelief rob you from a victorious Christian life. That as life gets hard, as life throws you curveballs, because God is faithful, you can still serve him and trust him and persevere. It's part of what we see all here. Then, as we fast forward to near the end of Joshua, Joshua calls the people out. He totally lays down the gauntlet. Look at Joshua 24, 15. He says, he kind of brings it to a conclusion where he says, if, after all I've told you, he says, if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, Choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river, of the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He's saying to them, decide, do not be on the fence, no middle ground, no neutral zone, no hybrid faith. There's no, Customizable belief. There's no coexist. You got to either serve the one true God, or someone or something else. What's fascinated me as I studied this is he continued here, especially at the end of uh, Joshua 24. He's saying, "If you want to serve the God of your forefathers back in Ur, back in Egypt, or the Canaanites," I'm going, "Wait a second. It's been hundreds of years since this was part of their history." And so in Ur, some of their ancestors served the Babylonian gods. And then when they came into Egypt, some of them started serving the Egyptian gods. And then as they're in the land of Canaan, some of the Canaanite gods are appealing to them. And he's saying, you've got to set those aside. I'm like, who's still hanging on to the Babylonian gods from like great-great-grandpappy, you know? Who's hanging on to like the Egyptian gods from grandpa and grandma? Have they not seen enough? to abandon whatever has been handed down? Like, do some of them still have carved idols that were given to them by their grandparents that have been in their families in generations and they, they just couldn't get rid of them and so they've just kind of hung on to them just in case maybe they work somehow? And God saying to Joshua, get rid of them all. Leave it all behind. When's the last time you threw away, unsubscribed, Distance yourself from something that you're hanging on to that you know is robbing you of all that God has. It's diluting your ability to experience the power of God in your life. That's keeping you from being able to say this very thing As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I love the grammar mechanism that you find in this passage. A lot of you are familiar with this verse. Choose them stay whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The word choose in the Hebrew is a word of constant action. It involves the past, the present, and the future. So if you want to be really specific to what this verse says, it's more like this. I have chosen and will keep choosing to serve the Lord no matter what comes. So it's not just like I chose, now I have to like hold on to it. It's like, no, I have chosen to serve the Lord, follow the Lord, and I'm gonna keep choosing no matter what happens. No matter what diagnosis, what sickness, what discouragements, what hardships come into my life, I'm going to keep on choosing the Lord. That's what that verse means. And then Joshua says, look, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That should be the heart cry of every follower of Christ. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You can't make your kids serve Jesus. You can't make them believe. All you can do is try your best to point them to Jesus and to create an environment where they grow up hearing you pray, hearing the scriptures, being in the community of fellow believers. And hopefully, your influence, hopefully, what you've shaped and built will help them take that step of faith. But it's still your responsibility in your home for who you serve. Who will you serve? Because the reality is, all of us are serving somebody, all of us are serving something. If you don't know, like if you honestly rack your brain going, okay, if I were to assess my life and think about, well, who am I serving? Who am I truly serving? What am I truly serving? And you don't know, let me give you some questions to think about. Who or what do you think about most? Whatever you think about most, you're probably serving. Who or what do you talk about most? If that's what comes out of your mouth most, that's probably who or what you're serving. What do you celebrate most? You celebrate your kids saying, I talked to Jesus today, or celebrate the field goal, or the goal, the soccer goal, right? Like, what do you celebrate most? Pay attention to where you invest most of your time. Pay attention to where you invest your resources. Follow the money. If you really don't know who or what you serve, just follow your money, because that'll tell you what you serve more than anything. And so we have to be attentive to who or what we serve. Jesus said, Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. So Jesus lays down the same invitation to follow him or not, the clarity that he brings. So, will you choose to serve the Lord? Or, if you want to be honest with yourself, will you just serve yourself, your impulses, your desire to control, your pleasures, your self-reliance? Or will you choose to serve the ever-changing culture and its beliefs and practices? Isn't it fascinating that people will claim to a belief now that didn't even exist 10 years ago? Guess what? Some of the beliefs now won't exist in 10 years from now. Are you going to serve the culture, and the ever-changing beliefs, the ever-changing patterns of behavior? Or will you even choose to serve a false god? A god of your own making, a god of your own design, a god of your own imagination. One of the most dangerous theological phrases that can come out of our mouth is, well, I think God is like this. No, no, let's just look at the Bible and say, this is what God says he's like. We don't don't take God like a piece of clay and mold him into someone that we think he should be. We have to accept him for has he is. And we know that. Because if you're a parent, you have the same type of expectation. Like if you say to your kids, these are the rules in our house, if they were to say like, well, I believe they're more like this. Yeah, exactly. You're laughing because it wouldn't go over very well, right? Hey, look, you can take the car out, but bring it back by 10. 1130 rolls around. What are you doing? Well, I know this is what you said, but I believe you're very gracious. And so, I thought I'd just bring you back 11.30. We do the same thing with God, right? God says this. We're all like, well, maybe he means this. And we test his patience. I love this passage. I love the implications. But as we read, we have to understand what God says. Now, if you keep reading, what you basically see is that the people affirm, we're going to follow the Lord. Josh doubles down. He goes, hey, you can't take this lightly? I'm going to push on your superficial belief. He basically says, no, nah, no, nah, you can't serve him. You're like, what? Yes, we can, right? He just makes sure, he makes sure it's an authentic declaration of followership. And there's a beautiful verse in Joshua 24, 31. It says, Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua and had known all the work that the Lord had done for Israel. The people there that day were faithful to the declaration, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What will we do? Uh, What a thought-provoking, convicting, motivating section of Scripture. What a great book of the Bible. Like so many others, just showcasing God's faithfulness. But when it's all said and done, the bottom line, the bottom line emphasis is God's faithfulness and what we're going to do in light of God's faithfulness. Sometimes we get caught up in like, what do I need to do for God? Which is not a bad thought. But it's better to start with, what has God done for me? And let that cultivate faithfulness from your life. Will we, like the people of Israel in this moment, in light of God's faithfulness, choose and keep choosing to serve the Lord? Uh, Like some of you, we have something like this in our home. This is I just hung this we're, we're still settling into our rental right and so um, hung this a few days ago in a very prominent spot in our home and it's, it's not really for like all our guests it's not like hey 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 so you know God's house right it's not really the spirit of that we don't, we don't mind them noticing but it's there for me my wife my kids that when we walk by this we're reminded as for me and my house, we have chose and we're going to keep choosing to serve the Lord. And so if you have one of these, I hope that today is refreshed. Like maybe you got this on a wall somewhere, multiple walls, I hope it's refreshed the significance of it for you. If you don't have one, might not be a bad time to go get one. (laughs) A lot of options out there to maybe place somewhere in your home as a reminder that in light of God's faithfulness, You can choose and keep choosing to serve the Lord. All right, I've got a few reflection questions for you to think about as we get ready to close out here. Just some questions to kind of dig deeper from our time. First is this, what has the Holy Spirit of God impressed most on your heart during this time? That's what I love about the Lord. You can have hundreds of people in a room and everyone is gonna probably have the Holy Spirit point out something different in their life. So what did the Holy Spirit point out to you? That's an important part to identify the clarity. I think this is what God impressed in my heart. Here's the harder part. What are you going to do about it? Is it just like, oh, mental note? Or are you going to take an action step in light of what God impressed on you? Let me push on that even more. Let's say God gives you an action step. Here's a question. What do you lose if you don't take that step? Like, what are you going to miss out on? What are you going to lose if you don't act upon what God's impressed on your heart? And just like that, what are you going to gain if you do act on it? If you do step into that act of obedience, what does God have waiting for you? I also want to invite you right now for a specific response. We don't always do this, but today I'm doing it. All of you should have got a card when you walked in. Can you pull it out now, please? You might have a pin on you, there might be some pins in the little back pouches of the chairs around you. I am asking, inviting everybody today to fill out this card. There's something very significant about being intentional about what you believe and what you're going to do because of what you believe. So on this card is just this phrase, choose this day authentically, genuinely, what can you mark down? The first box is, I will choose to serve the Lord, right? I will choose and keep on choosing to serve the Lord. And if this is your first time today ever taking that step of faith to say, I want the Lord to rule over my heart, my life, my family, my home, would you please give us some contact information so that we can follow up? We want to help you. We want to encourage you. We want to resource you to do that very thing. Secondly, I will choose to serve myself. Look, if you have no interest in serving God, write it down. I'm not doing this right now. I'm gonna serve myself. And I'm gonna be honest about it. We can respect that. But at least you know this is where you're at. Or maybe you're gonna to choose to serve the ever-changing beliefs and culture. Like if you're not gonna follow God, if you wanna follow culture, have the audacity that I'm following the culture. That's what I'm doing. We'll see what they're going to throw my way six months from now, six years from now. I'm just just going to follow the culture. What about choosing to serve a false god or religion? Look, I like the God of the Bible, parts of them, but I don't like some other parts of them, so I've kind of created my own God. And that's the God I'm going to follow. Own it. This is just you saying, I'm going to own wherever I'm at today. And the last box might be exactly where you're at. I don't know. (laughs) I'm uncertain right now. I'm on a spiritual journey. I've got a lot of questions. Things are unclear. Please feel free to mark that box and give us contact information. We'd love the opportunity to sit with you and go, hey, what questions do you have? Describe your spiritual journey. How can we help you? And so what we're going to do is we're going to give you guys this next song to fill this out. Most of you, it's just going to be anonymous. For those of you making a first-time decision or if you need backup, give us contact information. And when you're ready, we're going to be standing here in a second. When you're ready, just come lay them down on the platform, just like that. Stand up wherever you're at and just come and lay them anywhere you want on this platform. It's just a way to tangibly say, this is where I'm at right now. There's something very significant about that. So let's pray, and I'm going to give you time to be with God and articulate where you're at. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for your servant Joshua. What a great example of operating in faith. Lord, thank you for all the examples you've given us in this book of faithfulness, of what it looks like to follow you in faithfulness, what it looks like to not follow you in faithfulness. And Father, I pray for us right now that as we honestly assess and boldly confess where we're at that these cards we're laying down are really an offering to you it's a declaration of our of our hope in you it's a declaration of our commitment to you it's a declaration of our desire to not have you or it's a declaration of curiosity and exploration that we invite you to help us with and so father we we offer these today as Really, a, a gift and an expression before your feet. Father, I pray that all of us as followers of Christ will continue to grow and not just choosing you in the past, but choosing you every day, no matter what life brings. We ask this in Jesus' name. We all sit together. Amen. Amen. So fill out the card, let's stand. And as you feel ready, just come and lay those cards down here on this platform.
0: In just a moment,
1: God is faithful. God is faithful. Amen? Amen. May it be true of us. As for me and my house, we will serve. We have chosen. We will keep on choosing. We will serve the Lord. I pray that's true for you. Hey, a couple things just to give you a a glimpse of what's about to happen in the next couple weeks. Again, next week's going to be a fall kickoff, just a day of celebration for us as a congregation. We're going to celebrate some ministry wins. Uh, We're going to have some baptisms. It's going to be a neat time just being the church. And enjoying time together and the following week we're kicking off a new series in the book of Galatians and so we're gonna be spending a, a significant amount of time uh, the series is called no going back you'll find out more about why it's called that as you go through the book of Galatians uh, just like we did with Joshua we have a, a bookmark that will have the teaching passages available for each week so you can read them in advance and be prepared and also uh, you are starting to see some of these around these are little journals and um, Uh, We have them out there. It's just the book of Galatians. It's the ESV book of Galatians. And the passages on one side. And it's just an area to take notes on the other. Just a great companion uh, when you're going through a book of the Bible. So those are available for you over the next few weeks. You can grab one. Just throw a donation in the box if you want to help offset the cost. But it's just a teaching tool. So hope uh, you'll get your hands on one of those. God bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.